Welcome to the Blast From Cast From, the latest episode of the podcast that does exactly what it says. We're going to talk about rap music. It's the uh, closest thing that music can come to in terms of a competitive sport. Uh, Dominance is a a lofty goal uh, amongst these musicians. Uh, Who's the best rapper alive? Who's the best from their region? It even extends to region against region. Uh, Rankings uh, are not entirely uncommon, especially in this day and age. Kind of like what you would get with with boxing. Um, And who better to talk about rap music than three Scottish people? So tell me, if you were to choose your early 80s MC name, what would it be? Why doesn't David give me my name and I'll give him his? Oh, what's this? Some sort of attack? Some sort of battle ourselves? Oh, we could, we could uh, give my, it to each my other. Name, my name for you will be Plumpy Roundbutt. <laughs> <laughs> and your retort? Dumpy David Doom. Dumpy, <laughs> Dumpy David Doom. I'll take it. Because uh, I, I, I take out the trash. Oh, there you go. That's it, yeah. Um, I'll go with the the Blast Master, you know, because Blast From, is that um, any good? Either that or uh, MC Pisshole Eyes. <laughs> well, hang on, wait. There's a common thread here. Our last names, we could be the three, the, the, the trio. Oh, the trio. <laughs> the tri- trio Track Masters. Oh. Oh, let's get off this. All right, okay. We, I think I think we think we failed. I mean, it takes a little bit of time, I guess, uh, to to come up with uh, a great MC name, uh, as we have uh, pretty much exhibited here. Um, so actually, given that we've well, I I've just relayed that I've compared this this whole thing to a competitive sport. Linguistic uh, agility, which I am not exhibiting here, is obviously a, a prime um, desired attribute uh, of, of rappers but what are you looking wow. for <laughs> host extraordinaire uh, we're looking for lyrical bigness with a character of um, success uh, a lyrical width and breadth um, so what but what are you looking for in a rapper what makes a great rapper particularly one that is uh, a battle rapper somebody that is a very good lyricist I think that's fair enough, yeah, but what does that actually mean? Is that wordplay? Is that um... what do you look what do you look for on a limousine driver? Someone with a driving license. <laughs> I mean that the the words that they're speaking make sense. It's not just a rumble of, you know, just stuff thrown together. It kinda creates the story. Are you but you, you are you talking about like kind of a clever wordplay or just a, a kind of a rich lexicon of uh, of words to draw from? Uh, what what do you think's um just clever, being clever, I guess. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, being clever and then having a good, obviously, there's a lot in the producing, I suppose, but it tends to be that when you get lost in the words and the uh, backing music, it's uh, you, you get lost in the moment, shall we say, rather than just listening to somebody rattle on for ages with some sort of beat in the background. I feel like this is some sort of attack against me. <laughs> Someone who rattles on and just keeps talking and you wish it would be over. <laughs> So, in rap music, things can get. Um, did oh, did David say what he what he looks for? I don't think he did actually. That's uh, that's that's fair comment. I mean, he didn't. You you were so insistent on what you you liked. I, I assumed he was in full agreement, but I could be entirely <coughs> wrong. No, that uh, I agree wholeheartedly with what Katie said. Her opinion was top notch. There yeah. you go. And, and as the editor, I'll sound like the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> 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 
Or you'll just sound really uh, aggressively um, ignorant. Very passive-aggressive style of uh, speaking. <laughs> but yes, so that aggressive streak in rap music started uh, pretty early on. The idea that you, you take, if you want to be the best in the world, you, you take from somebody else. Uh, and that was exhibited in the Christmas 1981 and the festive spirit. Um, Busy B and Cool Mo D were doing a little battle rap situation, which traditionally would be who would who would rock the house the best, you know, uh, win the crowd over with their rapping style. Just you do your rhymes and I do my rhymes and we'll see who comes out on top based on uh, cheering or whatever, I guess. Uh, so this is when Kumo D decided that was not the way he wanted to comport himself. And uh, basically, well, he attacked him, didn't he? Just ripped him to bits. <laughs> Poor Busy B. <laughs> that had to be his name too. Busy B against Kumo D. Like basically, it was the worst uh, that could have happened for old Busy. And uh, listening to it, it was because uh, I I was like, what, what's this going to be? And then obviously Busy B's with it. Hey everybody, let's get dancing. We're going to go dancing and prancing, some sort of, sort of such like that. Mm-hmm. And then and then all of a sudden there's swearing and aggression. And I was it felt like something from nowadays had like gone into the past and decided to be let's just change the future because that's how weird it was in contrast. So yeah, it was quite quite the uh, the audio listen. The, when I was when I was listening to it, <laughs> I was getting a little bit sad because it was almost like what you could picture Busy Bee just turning up to school like look at my new backpack. <laughs> and Coolbody's like stupid looking backpack. Let me tell me about that backpack. And it was just it, it was uh, I, I, my heart went out to him. It was a hard listen but I mean, like you said, it was a change in the times, wasn't it? It was a he very was getting... abrupt change in the t- yeah. It was yeah. It was like Hannibal Lecter versus uh, Mickey Mouse, wasn't it? it just um, it yeah. was just a, an, an annihilation. It was like the invention of the atomic bomb in terms of um, like the progression of rap music. So Which, each, in a way, is kind of uh, a little bit uh, <laughs> to be in the corner of Busy B. He uh, he had no idea it was coming, but whether Kumo <laughs> did preemptive strike or whatever, or just decided in the moment. I mean, you got you got a feel for Busy B even more that he he came to a knife fight with a with a sock. <laughs> <laughs> Especially going first as well. I, <laughs> I just t- turned around out of shock. So the crowd, you can because I think we we listened to the the little audio of that, and you can kind of hear the crowd reaction to um, like the first swear word <laughs> uh, of of uh, that performance. And Kumo Day basically accuses him of being out of touch, um, of copying other people, uh, and then actually paying for rhymes. And it was it was pretty shocking stuff at the time. It was just a a, a tearing apart. Of a character assassination. Was there any premeditated? Like, was did Busy B in his cornflakes or something? What, what was the? So why I, did Busy B have to suffer? I think this is the brutalized. This is the. This is just the the doggy dog mentality that basically uh, develops from. I mean, I don't know. Cool Modi. I have. Uh, he was in the Treacherous Three. Fittingly enough, uh, that rap group. Um, and I think it was. It was literally. To me, my reading of it is it's just he was just stepping up and saying, "That's enough of this. Uh, we need to. We need to get cruel here. We need to. <laughs> this uh, enough of this uh, rock in the house. We need to get cruel. Yeah. It's like you said, you have to come in and actually take a part of somebody's good intention soul away. This is like one of the first instances of I'll 
smear your reputation and make my name. One slightly uh, later on was um, Ultramagnetic MCs made a little attempt to uh, disrespect Run DMC with their uh, song uh, Ego Trippin' where they kind of make fun of what they had termed as the simplistic rhyming style of uh, Run DMC basically jumping off from that and making their name. That was like obviously the, the song that made them somewhat famous, still an underground kind of act, but that was, that was, that was what made people take notice. Obviously no comeback from Run DMC because they were superstars at the time. So this, this is like the first instance of somebody attacking somebody and not hearing anything back. I suppose it'd be like a, a sort of um, a world champion getting challenged by somebody in the amateurs going, ah, I could, I could get this guy and I could knock him out and, I guess if you've gotten all the way to the top, why would you bother? Maybe they had something even better for the retort, but the retort never came. It's a good question, actually, because um, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't accuse. Uh, so the said G and Cool Keith were the MCs for Ultramagnetic MCs. I wouldn't accuse said G of being a superstar rapper, but Cool Keith certainly would have possibly been able to retort to the retort if Run DMC. Superstars at the time, obviously, um, had uh, deigned to take time out of their busy schedule to um, address some very, very underground rap group at the time, which obviously um, never came. But nonetheless, the, that kind of brought some attention to uh, Ultramagnetic MCs at the time. And funnily enough, actually, Sedgy from Ultramagnetic MCs was involved in, to some extent, in the next one we're going to talk about, which is obviously a very big and famous feud in the the mid 80s which was boogie down productions and uh, mc shan and marley marl got into a bit of a a bit of a thing and there's a interesting and complex history around that rap feud so do you want me to run through the little story for you because it's 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 quite it's quite fascinating i don't know how much you know about this one but because to me it just seemed like a misunderstanding of misheard lyrics that have just escalated into absolute insanity so (laughs) yeah on the on the face of it so mc shan and marley marl had released a track called the bridge in which they um wanted to tell you the story of where they came from and then boogie down productions released the south released south bronx which was it kind of it kind of copies the the same rhythm and it's basically a parody of that song even though in in and of itself it became quite a famous and, and influential song it was when you when you listen back to it you can tell it's like a, a kind of a parody of the bridge but apparently this since this has happened the various parties have admitted to this that what happened was that Boogie Down Productions which is KRS-One and uh, DJ Scott LaRock were just basically pissed off at the Juice crew because they had gone into uh, a session where Mr. Magic, who was a DJ in New York at the time, was playing one of their songs because they had requested that he play one of their songs. And then he was associated with the Juice Crew and basically said it was straight garbage. Uh, this was before South Bronx, which was their big breakthrough. Oh. Um, and they, there was a big tussle and then there was people that were harried out. Interestingly enough, Said G was in that group um, and apparently had taken Marley Marl's drum loops while all that scuffle was happening um, and then later had basically used those in those diss songs. I don't know if it was used in the South Bronx, but it's been confirmed by Marley Marl that um, the second one, The Bridge Is Over, they, it was definitely his drum loops that were used. So said G, a bit of a troublemaker, oh. ultramagnetic MCs, and then he'd produced, he'd helped produce these uh, diss songs for Boogie Down Productions as well. Just a bit of an umbrage take, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Super umbrage take. Like literally saying someone like, oh, I think that's where that originated. Uh, 
and then just annihilation for quite some time as well because I, I was reading up and it was obviously a few a few diss tracks back and forth like a bit of crossover as well with some other uh, with some other beef as well so it's interesting the so Boogie Down Productions obviously attacked the the Juice crew didn't mention uh, Big Daddy Kane and Cool G Rap by name obviously because why would <laughs> you want to do that <laughs> But at the same time, actually, so they, they were technically all mates. And for Big Daddy Kane and, or Cool G Rap not to involve themselves, what do you what do you make of that? Well, you wouldn't. I mean, if you, like you're saying, if, you're, if your weedy little mate um, starts a fight with another weedy little guy and then you weirdly get involved, there's not going to be any glory in that, is there? So if you, just, <laughs> if you know you can absolutely dis, dismantle them, there's no pride in it. It's like, uh, it's like beating up an old man. So do you, do you think, uh, in your opinion... KRS one not quite a match for for either of those two. I mean, we saw him re- like not recently, but maybe it was like four years ago. Oh, David um, caressed his hand. Oh, he he touched me gently, and I, <laughs> I felt his power as he touched me. Well, you're familiar uh, with him, aren't you? I'm familiar with him, and I felt like he was too gentle. That's what I'm saying. I think he doesn't have it in him to be vicious. He's probably putting on an act because the softness of his hands was unbelievable. Oh. And the, the tenderness I felt with this live gig as he put his, his hot, hot, soft hands on me. And I knew he was never that angry. He could certainly rock the house. Actually, I've, I've seen all three of those concerned. I've seen KRS-One and I've also seen Big Daddy Kane and Cool G Rap. Albeit in their advanced years, I certainly didn't see them in the late 80s when I would have been uh, between three and four years old. But yeah, certainly later on, KRS-One is the, the best live performer of the three mm. in my opinion. Big Daddy Kane was good uh, but uh, Keras one was, was excellent very very excellent uh, regardless we're talking about kind of on the record though you know the, the lyrical abilities and, and things I think possibly at that time Keras one would have certainly at least met him his match uh, and with those two both coming at him uh, that might have been a different story but it never it never came to pass they never stepped in on it Keras one you might disagree Keras one pretty much finished off MC Shan in this feud the bridge was over. I guess it was. Well, that speaks to the whole thing, doesn't it? Basically, KRS-One used this feud and MC Shan to get his name known, which was what had happened there. That awkwardly transitions us because it depends how you think about these things. But the next one we were going to talk about was Cool Modi. He's back again. He's got a problem again. Um, versus Cool LL Cool J. Ladies this is love probably, Cool James. This is probably one of my favourites, I'm not going to lie. Um... Maybe they should kiss to break the tension because <laughs> Hello Cool G's uh, his response to Cool D or so I say Cool Modi's response to Hello Cool J is just like you know, there's just some sexual tension there that is just being it's just being displayed to the public. <laughs> so it was it's quite a, it's quite a strange one. So LL uh, Cool Modi, sorry, had accused LL Cool J of basically ripping him off and and, and like bringing a style that was an imitation of his. Can you hear that? I, I mean, I suppose there's certain inflections that might sound similar, but I couldn't hear it myself. It was just quite an interesting uh, jump-off point for, for a feud. bit random to me, I would say. Yeah, um, a bit of a crazy old bag lady reaction, like, <laughs> you sound like me! Just out of the blue. It's uh, Yeah, it was one of the more baffling ones, because like, like Katie was saying, the kind of lyrical content is a bit like, come on, guys, you... You love each other. So, <laughs> it a was kind of, of confusion. It, a lot of talking about um, jocks. Yeah, Cool Modi was... Uh, I think he's taken out a bit, a, a lot of umbrage uh, out in uh, 
LL Cool J. And I think, you know, LL Cool J was um, trying his best, but it was just what I've, what the the pattern that was saved from Cool Modi was. It was two different songs, but they were very similar in their content. He was just repeating himself. Yeah. So who, if if you were to pick a, a winner of this battle, I, I mean, who who do you prefer? I mean, Cool Modi is obviously the the guy from. In relative terms, now it seems like uh, the space between one album and the next, or one track and the next, seems to uh, have expanded in recent years. But certainly back then, that would have been a lifetime between Cool Modi being arguably the best rapper in the world, and then you're talking about um, mid uh, to late '80s, where LL Cool J has kind of planted himself as one of the 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 most highly regarded rappers, anyway. And Cool Modi's kind of coming along and saying, actually, no. You have copied me, and sir, I uh, I have a problem with this. Who who's winning this one? Yeah, I think um, as far as pleasurable to listen to, obviously the backing tracks of LL Cool J's were better. But Cool Mo D, there's something so charming about him that I can't yeah. help but side with the fellow. Like um, David said, is that the LL Cool J ones? Obviously, it's it's produced a wee bit better, but the Cool Mo D one is just so funny like the the lines in it are just hysterical it is just like nothing but a diss track there's nothing no salties in it yeah he's a bit more direct a bit more forward and and i think that's a a tactic as well there's because i I think it was the same with uh, mc shan he wasn't quite as direct as uh krs1 who was very direct about who he was talking about whereas he kind of mentions him at the end but yeah i think i think you're right there's there's a tack to be taken which is direct i'm talking about you specifically um and there's no mistake in it so you're liking cool modi in that one okay winner cool modi that's interesting that is interesting I mean, in general, in the the early period, certainly, and certainly in the 80s, New York and the East Coast were, that was the place to be. That was where rap had originated, and that's where a large amount of the best talent were, were coming from. Then you had the late 80s, where NWA starts to emerge, um, among various others. And within NWA itself, there was a bit of a feud once Ice Cube, one of the members, had decided to leave uh, for contractual and various other reasons, for creative freedom. And uh, NWA had made some veiled disses towards Ice Cube. And then he had eventually decided enough was enough. And he was going to respond with the track No Vaseline, which was at this point probably the most brutal beef rap track that we'd heard so far. Well, coming <laughs> so coming from myself... Hearing No Vaseline first and thinking, wow, that's, you know, what did they do to tick this guy off yeah. <laughs> so furiously? Just a brief, so, uh, you know, it's just, it's really at the blue at 100 miles on run. And, and honestly, it's almost like when you've said something to somebody that's had a really bad day, like, what are you crabbing for? And then they just go <laughs> off and just dress you down. Like, that is exactly what it was like. Like, I think they just thought, ah, be smart, like, he's off. But you would think that they would have learned from being in a group with him. Yeah, they know who the guy is. <laughs> like, he, Seeing him like, knock out people saying, I want mean, to I mean, this, is, this is obviously very subjective, but um, I would argue that the popular opinion certainly is that he's a better rapper than all of them put together. Oh, yeah. uh, so why, <laughs> why he, would you he put must that have just He must have just, like, been sitting there, listened to it and went, hmm. And then went off to the record studio and just was like, bah! just like absolutely laid into them. Because when you obviously see it in the, the big movie, um, oh. just them sitting there together watching it, it's like that must have just been, what can you say? What, what do you do? Uh, Dr. Dre the hero. 
uh, I think Dr. Dre must have taken his his um, his rap sheets of, of of lyrics and just tossed them down the stairs when he had enough of them. Um, I mean, but, this um, was this like Ice Cube is a person that wrote Dr. Dre's raps for him. So it's like, how how do you like the guy that makes your guns and knows how to use them, and then you're just like, listen, pal. <laughs> well, I obviously uh, thought it was because uh, you've seen Omega Man, Neil, haven't you? I have. Yeah. It was just it it summed up for me though. It's the scene where obviously Charlton Heston's playing chess and he's having a great time success you know everyone's getting on okay and then a fireball comes flying through his window and he just goes excuse me sort of extinguishes the fire and then just starts blasting out the window at the bad guys and then goes back to his chess game is how this made me feel I laugh about it every time but that's pretty much what it was it's like Ice Cube minding his own business and then just annihilates them and then just goes back to his chess game I think no one was spared <laughs> I mean, it's quite it's quite um, brutal. I mean, the 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 content of it is quite offensive uh, as well. It yeah. hasn't aged well. It, it hasn't, hasn't aged, aged well, but that's it hasn't yeah. aged super yeah. well. I mean, but I mean, that's that's kind of if you listener are listening along to this and and figure, oh, I'm going to listen to these songs uh, just to just to be where the content has is quite offensive and hasn't aged particularly well. <laughs> this will be a reference they'll definitely get as well as we're talking about 90s raps. I was just saying, the, uh, listen to all these like, diss tracks. It'll be like Phoebe when she sees the, the tree going at the wood chipper is what it'll be like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this... Um... I, I, I would probably say that, obviously, that our, the way we're talking, we're saying that this is the... Ice Cube's obviously the clear winner here, but um, I would say this is probably one of the top three best uh, diss tracks of all time for me it's uh, it's an obliteration isn't it yeah. there's no it's no um, mistake who's, who's won here I mean NWA split soon after so there wasn't really an opportunity for them to, to fire back if they even uh, could have mm. I remember they were just all just really angry and just thought, oh, it was just cascade everywhere and he just got caught in the crossfires of them being all petulant with each other. And then, I mean, unfortunately, he was like, let me just hit that, hit that finish. A lot of the things that he was, addre- <laughs> a lot of things that he was addressing, like the, the kind of the contractual dispute sort of elements of, of it. I mean, he was obviously, he said in a very brutal and uh, graphic way, he, his metaphors for how they, their business was conducted was very graphic and yeah. uh, controversial. But, um, that kind of led to Dr. Dre leaving and basically the, the, the group splitting up as well. So there was, there was no retort uh, forthcoming. Uh, not just a, like not just the lyrics on their own, but just just a bit of a um, want to, to bob your head to as well. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Which you can't say about 100 Miles and Running. Like, it's a good song, but no Vaseline. You give, give a wee head bob. Mm, yeah. <laughs> But what's quite funny as well, because obviously you're probably going to get to it next, but obviously talking about Dr. Dre, definitely nowhere near as good as Ice Cube, and then he thought, oh, I'm going to pick on someone smaller than me. I'll take out that easy E guy. And it's uh, it's unfortunate (laughs) as well. I I would say that Dr. Dre, as far as being a a comeback king, he's definitely not a good... uh, He's he's not got a good record. So, I mean, we will get to that very briefly, but in between that and this portion of the timeline... Uh, you suddenly have this fellow, um, Tim Dog, steps up. Um, again, <laughs> funnily enough, Seji from Ultramagnetic MCs, who produced this song, involved. He's a real troublemaker. Little um, scam. <laughs> <laughs> so he produced this very, very, um, a very hard and aggressive like beat and back into this song uh, by Tim Dog, uh, addressing the city of Compton. So, um, I mean, 
in general, the West Coast had been kind of, it was up and coming. Uh, the East Coast and New York were kind of feeling a bit hard done by and that they had been eclipsed and that their style of rap was, even though they were the, the kind of the originating city, was feeling a bit uh, eclipsed by the West Coast. And Tim Dog had decided that he was the one <laughs> that was going to step up and say, that's enough of that. Let's just uh, uh, disrespect an entire uh, section of Los Angeles um, in a very graphic and... Mm. Quite aggressive song. He was obviously, we're, we're not looking for trouble, but should things prove eventful, I need to know we can handle ourselves. And I think he handled himself quite well, but there was no war. Um, yeah. Pretty much, um, yeah, this is publicity-seeking, effectively. But at the same time, there was a real there was a real sort of feeling behind it. But yeah, just very, very forward. I um, remember the first time I listened to this, I think I was on the bus, and I just... It was too much for like a Thursday afternoon on the way to work. <laughs> and I just remember listening, like looking down and just kind of being a wee bit confused. Like, who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? It was so violent and a wee bit scary. You couldn't listen to that when you're away to bed. <laughs> Not in the dark. Not in the dark. It's his way of rapping as well. It was just like, it just I felt I felt slightly violated, and that's just me. So whoever it was directed at, it was we know the whole of Compton. Um, yeah, the yeah. the whole of Compton, and then very specifically NWA um, <laughs> as well. And it was it was. Um, but he's cool with iced tea. He's cool. With, he's cool. Yeah, iced tea. No, no issue. Um, I don't think iced tea was from Compton though. He found the track quite refreshing. That this is this is pointed towards as basically stirring up the East versus West war. I mean, I don't know if it was in hindsight or at the time, but certainly uh, this was the first time somebody had done this, like just been so bold. And yeah, again, it is, it's like Ultramagnetic MCs and Seji and that that kind of folk, they, they quite enjoyed like just dissing people for the fact that they could do it. They they just they just thought that was a, a that was how they got their kicks basically and he was obviously within their sort of uh, their sphere of influence and I don't know even they were he was egged on or what but yeah, yeah just well, get him one up do it do it I can almost think of the, like the the wee conversation they had together oh, yeah yeah that's, you should go for it Tim Doc go for it like, why funny it'll be funny everyone will laugh about it <laughs> <laughs> do you, know, you don't think it's too violent no. Just go for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, the responses to this song, I mean, obviously there was a, there would have been an outrage, but the actual, the on on wax responses, what are you thinking of these, Sam? Tepid. They, yeah, you had Snoop <laughs> yeah. Dogg uh, kind of talking about Tim Dogg's mother in San Francisco there. Uh, um, here we go. And, <laughs> and I, I don't know what that's all about or anything about it, but it was, it was yeah, kind of tepid. Compton's Most Wanted did a, a little very short skit. A little minute and a half little thing. Did anyone even <laughs> else address it? I mean, th- this this was a big deal at the time, but I don't think... Do you think it's a wee bit like there's just a bully going about looking for a fight, but the bully can't really be taken seriously because he's a bit of a nutter? So they're just a bit like, ah, oh, just just don't look at him. I like say something, like appease him, but mm. yeah, you can't say nothing. Nobody but, wants to get yeah. stabbed here. That's what it's like. Nobody really wants a black eye. Nobody really wants to get in a fight. It's just it's too much to get involved with that guy. So we'll just a uh, cha cha, just leave him. It sounds <laughs> Keep big your as head well, doesn't Yeah, he sounds massive. I mean, are we saying that Tim Dog won? <laughs> Is that? I don't no, think I he was he, like. I guess he, he won a fight. He started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
He punched him in the back of the head and walked off arms in the air. Victory. Not not saying East beat West or anything like that, but in terms of Tim Dog versus the people that he specifically addressed. It sounds a wee bit like he challenged them at a time that they were all like busy with stuff. Yeah. So he was just like shouting really loud and they're like, oh, uh, the time, it's been a a few weeks now. Do you think we should? Nah, just leave it. Let's still declared himself the winner. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, you you talked about this that um, Dr. Dre had uh, gone at Easy E uh, a little bit, and in that same song, actually, the uh, the bleep with Dre Day, uh, and everybody's celebrating. Uh, Tim Dog was addressed by Snoop Dogg, but also uh, Easy E taking a bit of a, a bit of a slagging off from Dr. Dre as well. What do you think of that? Even though they'd just been buddies, he's all heck. He's all heck, and he's got his new he's got his new buddy. He's, he's all uh, excited. He's the, <laughs> his yeah. new record label. So did you? So yeah, he, he Easy gets the business. Um, Easy uh, fires back at him. Uh, I don't know who was writing Easy's rhymes at this point, um, but uh, what do you think of this sort of feud? Ice Cube not involved. I I absolutely I don't know why because uh, I didn't realize there was a uh, I thought this was just a one sided thing because I didn't realize there was a, a a Dre first things. My history of hip hop sometimes gets a bit skewed and. I heard the Easy E one first, and I just remember laughing hard because I saw a video for it instead of just hearing the song. So there was just like it was the the actual video and the bits where he's like obviously slanging off Dre and stuff and Dre and his little outfit and things like that. But um, I just thought, wow, there's obviously they have fallen out. Whatever that whatever that musical instrument or whatever it is they use is fantastic, and uh, the sort of this sort of ratty way that easy raps almost lends itself to this being even more obnoxious that i i loved it even more so working backwards i couldn't even enjoy like dre's whatever set it off because i was just like this is perfect this is almost snide like hmm great very good seems like a bad guy it was lovely i think that's one of the things as well it's like if you are going to do a diss diss track you should make it something that's like actually enjoyable to listen to because like we're saying, Tim Dog's one, it was just it's just violence, but Easy E's one's actually like a good song. So Tim Dog responsible some say. Let's not mm. pile it on the guy. I mean the guy's no longer with us, so let's not talk about somebody that can't defend. Is he dead, is he? He was he was only forty six when he died, so this was in uh, two thousand thirteen apparently. Um oh. I remember it was a big prolonged sort of thing where people had claimed that he was uh, he'd faked his own death or something. I, I remember loosely following it and then but it turned out that he actually yes he had in fact died so um i don't know where the, all the speculation came from but it was a it was a complicated and in weird situation following the the death of tim dog but nonetheless uh he is no longer with us uh, may he rest in peace but regardless people say that he had a big hand in st- at least stirring up some of the what was already i guess an existing thing which was that the, the uh, rappers from the east coast had felt the West Coast were eclipsing them, uh, and this certainly got wrapped up when Tupac Shakur seemed to either completely understand or completely misunderstand the content of "Who Shot Ya" by uh, Notorious B.I.G., which he had he himself had thought was about him because he had been shot at that point. Tupac had interpreted that as a sideways uh, diss to him. And then he then returned with Hit Him Up, which is, oof, that's, that's brutal stuff. Yeah, it's just a, a shame because it sounds like it's all over a misunderstanding. 
suppose these are the days before the internet, so I guess uh, the only benefit of a Twitter or things like that now is this could be sort of misinterpreted and then squashed quite quickly. You know, he said what? And they've obviously got to stew on it for a while. There's not going to be a, a phone call between the two gentlemen, so I guess that's why it just creamed and fired up more and more, and then it led to this, because uh, either a quick phone call or at least a, a tweet um, saying, excuse me, um, I did not mean that. Oh, sorry, completely my fault. And then they would go out to dinner together. That'd be nowadays. But back in the 90s, where well, there is no Twitter. I mean, they I still mean, had phones. lives are at stake here. <laughs> you know, they still had phones. Maybe just phone them up and say, listen, let me break down my um, what I meant there. But uh, I, I can't speak to what communications were taking place between them. But certainly Tupac, uh, a very uh, emotional and um, fiery individual. And he was pretty much straight to... Doesn't really make a good story of it, you know. They've come to an amicable agreement, does it? I mean, it's it's a pretty tragic story that they both uh, end up being murdered. Uh, depend on who you ask. Because of this heated rivalry, uh, there's some conspiracy theories surrounding how they both came to an end. But um, this kind of people seem to calm down a little bit, at least uh, after that. The one that we're going to touch on next is. One of the most famous ones of the early 2000s, certainly, um, and one of the most discussed back-and-forth beefs of all time in rap music. And interestingly, it kind of ties in because originally there was a bit of a a situation between Mob Deep and Jay-Z, which is where all this kind of kicked off. Jay-Z had apparently said in um, one of his songs that the East had been soft during the East and West Coast beef. Prodigy from Mob Deep took umbrage with that. Rightfully enough, because, I mean, Jay-Z was mates with uh, Notorious B.I.G., who would have been basically the figurehead of the East versus West uh, rivalry. And for him to come and say the East was soft when he could have himself, because he was around about the time, input into that. Uh, So that was basically Prodigy's point that, where were you? You know, I was was trying to do my bit when this was happening. And uh, did you come on and say anything during that uh, rivalry? And he did not. He only said it several years after the fact. So I don't know if that's fair point. Um, So what Jay-Z did was on a live event, uh, Summer Jam, he put a picture of Prodigy when he was a little child in some sort of dance gear, um, which is apparently a terrible thing to do, be a child and wear something funny. That was um, that was the beginning of that that rivalry. Uh, between between those two, which was then in the song Takeover, Jay-Z addresses uh, Mob Deep in that fashion, but additionally addresses Nas quite directly. Bit of a mistake. What do you really? think of the what do you think of the that prodigy business though? Why yeah, is it, weird. I mean are you allowed to say what he's what he was wearing? Because I know. It just looked like a kid in some dance outfit business. Why is that a problem? Making fun of a guy for um being an innocent wee kid and you know he he himself is a, is a ridiculous little hanger on. That's not for me to say. That's obviously something that Nas addresses in his um, can, his particular rap. See where your opinion's going on how this uh, rivalry, uh, who won this one? But um, yeah, so it was. It started off as a. I mean, on that takeover track, it's pretty heavy on the mob deep because it's, I think it's the first two verses is uh, addressing that, and then Nas is addressed at the end for. Unknown reasons. I think they'd kind of thinly veiled, gone back and forth in previous songs, but Jay-Z decided to, to ramp it up a bit and basically take to task that Nas was not what he used to be, that he's maybe got, he's somewhat overrated, that he doesn't know how to handle his finances, among other things that were directed towards him. Yeah, I am. So, um, 
I read that a lot of folk were, a lot of people were debating, thinking, oh, takeover's the end of Naz's career. But uh, they retort. So I... Yeah, nothing fires anybody up like admin. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I, Jay-Z's obviously a very, very talented rapper, uh, regardless of what you think of his uh, vocal tone, which is obviously sometimes a contentious issue when people are uh, ranking him. Very talented MC. Uh, what's the poker sleeping bear that kind of thing I mean mm-hmm. what he said was not untrue at the time uh, Naz was he'd kind of peaked at least in a lot of people's opinions in terms of like his, how highly regarded he was Jay-Z was the, the man at that point he was the king and then decided to to go for Naz and that I mean what's a good analogy for this this is like <laughs> I guess the sleeping bear is good but in boxing terms this is uh, somebody who's on the way out and then just somehow there's some sort of rally here and Jay-Z was the architect of Naz's comeback basically because yeah Ether, yeah. Ether was the re- retort to this and it was um well it hurt my feelings <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even directed at you and you thought oh. there's quite a few hurtful lyrics um which I know is, is uh, obviously part of a part and part to a diss track but yeah it was it was just a, a brutalizing, wasn't it? He just got brutalized. I mean, there's the I mean, there's there's some childish stuff in it, but the the assertions that he was um, basically recycling notorious B.I.G. lyrics, uh, the whole bit about him doing the karate class, uh, <laughs> his physical appearance, which takes quite a quite a, beat. a, a beating in this in this song, uh, among other things. Um, oof, ouch. <laughs> I think it's I think it's kind of weird as well because uh, it's kind of the battle between waking up in the middle of the night telephone voices both of them. <laughs> what, what, what's happening? What? Like they both kind of rap like that, but just Nas has a much more pleasant version of it. Where I just think Jay Z sounds like he's really annoyed about being called in the middle of the night, whereas Nas almost like lulls you back into security, like you're saying, poking a bear, uh, taking a swing at an ex champ and getting knocked out, that kind of stuff. But I think it was that sort of mutual beneficial thing where in an arrogant moment Jay-Z was probably like I'm on top of the world and you used to be on top of the world and for no reason I'm just going to have a dig at you I, mean, I think it's like you said it's it, because just because you're riding high at the time doesn't mean that you are better than that person was at their time of uh, being popular so it, it was just that thing like ah, I've got a good feeling about I feel good about myself I'm going to take the challenge and I'm going to go after him and then he's obviously just turned around and been like hmm it's almost, Here's a few things. Um, yeah, it's almost like a, a Tony Soprano-esque self-sabotage move, yeah. like going, for, like, going after Nas. He just had no idea what um, what was coming. Yeah, also, I mean, Nas is probably knackered from never winning a Grammy uh, until recently, actually, but maybe that was it as well. Maybe Nas is just like, oh, what's the point? I'm really good at this, but I'm not getting the plaudits, and this, this little over here is weirdly getting all the plaudits and he's not as good as me so it's maybe just frustrating and you, you wouldn't want to put your all into something you're amazing at and you never get recognized for it so that's what made it even more funny was that Naz is like yeah no I, I I can do this and much better than you but just leave me alone oh wait you want a piece and then he came back on him so it was just like a confusing thing but I guess that's part of these weird diss tracks so you never really know why but you get the taste of both sides that was um it's quite similar to no vaseline in that you were when you were listening you were you felt like you were um you're the friend with two people two year mates arguing and there was like some personal stuff coming out and you're just there stirring your milkshake trying not to look up like oh god there's a lot of stuff coming out here that we probably shouldn't hear about in those tracks but um no we 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 got told we got told everything 
I mean, I think it's that final verse, isn't it, on Ether that was just the the, the ten count um, for for that one. I mean, this is obviously all very subjective, but to to be ethered has actually entered the lexicon of like rap culture. That I think that basically confirms what the most people um, feel about this this rivalry. Hmm. That that Jay Z yeah. was ethered, and if somebody is basically defeated, they they have been ethered. Uh, and that's that's why this this song in itself has become somewhat legendary. That's our our climax, effectively, of this rap beef podcast. And as I say, three Scottish people are just perfectly placed to talk about such things. Hold um, on a second. But just... you're saying you're not going to mention <laughs> Simon <laughs> as as a little as a little uh, aperitif. <laughs> uh, I would I would love to talk about. Um, Cool Keith as Doctor Doom, um, and his diss to Simon Cowell, <laughs> which is possibly <laughs> the most bizarre uh, diss track uh, in the history of rap music. Did, do you think, I take do you think he's heard it? He must. I mean, in this, he must have. Like um, Simon Cowell. The, I mean, he's Listen. not. He's not. He's not posted his own response, but you know, if, um, it must. Have, What's he going to say? Him and some, yeah. <laughs> What's he going to say? That? He's going to say, who, "Who's that again?" Um, and uh, obviously, in rap circles, Cool Keith is known, but uh, someone like Simon Cowell, potentially not. And what is he taking umbrage with? Just that, that he's—it's um, a funny thing with Cool Keith because he's a very—he's a peculiar fellow. Um, and again, we're kind of coming full circle with the, the him being in ultra magnetic MCs and them just being a bunch of. Troublemakers. Wasn't, just, wasn't said G again, was it? That just, Simon's a real jerk. I just want to know what the cat, like what the thing was. You know, the moment where he was like watching. I don't know if it was on in the background or he seen something, he heard somebody he just slammed his fist on the table and went, "That's enough." And then just <laughs> from my understanding, is he can be quite an impulsive, uh, impulsive fellow. But then again, he does he does things like this. It seems just for the for the sake of doing it. Didn't we? Um, we were delayed watching a gig of his, the Ultra Magnetic MCs, because he because he liked to wear fresh clothes on so stage. So that's the legend that he before he goes on stage, he has to buy new clothes, um, whether he wears them or not, but he has to buy new clothes before he goes on stage, allegedly. Um, and But he was significantly late for that gig. Uh, so, who won that one then? <laughs> I don't know, Simon who's got Cowell my money? From silence. <laughs> there's no, as you're saying, there's no way, unless Simon Cowell, somebody randomly on Twitter or something went, do you know there's a guy called Dr. Doom who doesn't like you? And he would have gone, What? And gone on about his day and probably parted his hair down the middle, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it probably just felt like it needed to be said. It maybe needed just to be out there in the uh, out there in the open, so that Simon could maybe he does listen. To, you don't know. He could listen to it every day. <laughs> <laughs> he could. He because if I had a song about me. Yeah. It doesn't matter how famous it's Actually, about you. Actually, that's a good question. How many Simon Cowell themed songs are there in the world? This. It, it, fairly short list I mean I know he's in the record industry but um, how many songs are about <laughs> Simon Cowell this could maybe be an are you Dave Gorman sort of thing <laughs> yeah. maybe you know like some a lot maybe it's just a we all indulge in things that make us uh, more sad I think sometimes maybe it's what Simon does he just sits and listens to it on the days he's feeling <laughs> a wee bit low like oh oh he's right <laughs> he talks a lot about his wife as well which I, I was trying to Try to listen. I was like, okay, right. A few things in there. Gosh. Although, let's be honest as well. Like, Cool Keith in that song, it's it's like the first 30 seconds, like, Simon, on that show, you don't know what you're talking about. 
And then he's just talking about absolute utter nonsense. I mean, <laughs> I can't remember the exact lyrics, but I remember there being like, you know, he just says a bunch of words together. So I don't yeah. think it's actually a diss track. It's more just, I've got a problem at the start of the song and he just goes back at his sort of soup lyrics. Starts he's, talking about having a corona just halfway through. Yeah, he's um, he's a unique character, and uh, our our lives are richer for him existing. <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 little aperitif brings us to a close here. I mean, it's 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 a very rich and complicated history of rap beefs and uh, rap competition. Who's the best of all time at this? This particular area of rap music. I'm not talking about who's who's made the best albums, who's the best lyricist, who's who's the most talented uh, musician in, in rap music. Who's the best kick your <laughs> rapper of of them all? Just the best rapper or the best in this beef rap? The best, the best aggressive rapper. The best. I've taken your lunch money, rapper. Oh, Kumo D, take your lunch money. Cool, but he's, your guy. He's, 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 um, he's the originator he's just, of Take Your Lunch Money, and you think he's uh, he's done the business here? Yeah, you don't have to be always like you're just this and that. Like, it just it's just a bit of a bully boy, is he? <laughs> Constantly flexing. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, a personal preference, I could go on all day, but I'll, yeah, just for. Uh, just for uni- unity, I think yeah, I think uh, Cool Mo D for starting the whole thing, the originator and best of uh, absolutely out of nowhere for no reason battling, he's the man. So I think I think you're you're onto something there. You've got uh, I guess the likes of Nas and uh, Ice Cube who are kind of the the counter boxers. They've they've been hit at and you know parried and come back. Whereas Cool Mo D's Mike Tyson have some of that. You're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tim Dog not uh, floating your boat. His his one's like um. So I I, I think my favorite diss track is gonna be No Vaseline just on the fact that it's just like a, a, a like I like obviously Ice Cube but just the obliteration of each and every singular person. Um. But yeah, Tim Dog's one is is just hatred in us one song. It's just hate. Yeah. No Vaseline reminds me of the video of Man Fights Crowd. I mean, what, a, what an enjoyment. Listen to No Vaseline whilst watching that YouTube video and you'll have the greatest day of your life. All right, well, uh, thank you both. I've got no beef with you, just to, uh, to clarify. Oh. Um, and I uh, hope to have you join me for another Blast From Cast From in the future. Any parting words here? Peace to all mankind. I just hope Busy B is doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> 